0: Thanks Derek. Morning everybody. Uh, I'm Ben. Uh, Right, where are we? I don't know how this talk is going to end yet, so that'll be fun for all of us. Uh, (laughs) While I'm just getting set, uh, if I say to you, have you seen the image, the meme of how to draw an owl? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so probably, hopefully you've all got a phone in your pocket or you're near somebody who's got a phone in their pocket with data on it. Uh, If you just take 30 seconds to do a little image search on how to draw an owl uh, and talk about yourselves, it's going to be very important. Wherever we're going, it's definitely going to involve this owl picture. I'll describe it to you as well, but um, yeah, find somebody nearby whose shoulder you can look over, take a look at the uh, how to draw an owl. There's probably a hundred variants of it. Apologies in advance if you get ones with strong language. (laughs) Okay, so you may have seen it now. Uh, If you've not found it on somebody's phone or you've not seen it yourself before, uh, basically it's an instruction guide on how to draw an owl. Uh, And obviously, as you'd hope, at the end of this instruction guide, there is a beautiful, uh, fully-fledged pencil line drawing of a glorious owl. Uh, And the guide goes like this. How to draw an owl. Step one, draw two circles. Step two, draw the rest of the owl. (laughs) Uh, We'll come back to why that matters uh, a few times, probably, in the next 20 minutes or so. Um, Okay, so uh, we are carrying on our series this morning uh, on... Uh, the journey of faith, and um, we're looking at uh, a book called Ecclesiastes, um, and yeah, this is, this is the talk bit, so this is where uh, we get together, and I come up the front, and uh, we have a little three-point message on how to sort our lives out, and what everything is about, and how to fix everything, right? And then it's just a nice, simple one, two, three, we know what's, what's going on, we understand what we're here for, and we know how to behave. Uh, So that's what we're doing, that's the talk bit, right? Here we go, Ecclesiastes. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, and hurtles back to where it rises... The wind blows to the north and the south. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, but the sea is never full. To the places the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was already here long ago. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I love Ecclesiastes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Genuinely one of my favorite books. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the tenor of the entire book of Ecclesiastes. Um, a Sort of Drowning in a sea of futility and overwhelm. What is anything? What does anything do? What does anything mean? What is the point in anything? Everything just rotates on repeat. Nobody ever learns. We keep making the same mistakes. Everything just seems like a total waste of time. That's your shorthand guide to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, if we fast forward to another little bit, let's go to chapter 4. Um, I don't think the book of Ecclesiastes is a feeling that is limited to the time in which it was written. I'm pretty sure people through the entirety of human history have felt the feelings that are in Ecclesiastes. I definitely still feel them now. And to me, bits like this bit in chapter 4 feel very pertinent to today. Uh, I think somebody could write this this morning and it'd be equally true. Again, I looked and I saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comforter power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind." I think you could look at the world around us today and very easily come to write the exact same thing. I see all the oppression happening everywhere and power is on the side of the oppressors and the reason that anybody scrambles to get above anybody else is totally meaningless and faceless. And what are we all doing? That's Ecclesiastes. Anyway, we're not doing chapter 1 or chapter 4. We're doing the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes at the end of chapter 12. So it carries on like that for 12 whole chapters of what even is anything. Um, But you'll be pleased to know that here's the bit that we're getting to. Um, Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. You could keep on writing these chapters forever and ever, and it's just exhausting, isn't it? Isn't it just exhausting to say how you feel? Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. There you go. Draw the rest of the owl. It's so easy, right? What a relief. Twelve whole chapters of angst and agony over the state of the world and what does it all mean? And one sentence right at the end. Draw the rest of the owl. Fear God, keep his commandments sorted. Um, I haven't done a PowerPoint deck or anything like that for this morning because I feel like everything about this format and doing that sort of thing Everything in us wants to have that neat one-two. How to draw an owl? Tidy up the answer. Here's here's the conclusion of the matter. Uh, And I just don't think that it helps. (laughs) Um, And I'm not even uh, sure that that is quite what is happening in the end of Ecclesiastes here. Uh, And this is where the talk turns more into like a feeling (laughs) and less into uh, sort of considered. uh, Rationing, rationing, rational reasoning with you, rational reasoning with you. Um, Because to me, the end of that bit of Ecclesiastes feels a lot like a feeling that I feel a lot in my journey of faith. And I hope that I'm not the only one, because otherwise, sometimes it's all right to do a talk that's just for you. (laughs) But hopefully, Me and the person in Ecclesiastes, and maybe some of you know this feeling. And, And what I think is happening there at that end of chapter 12, fear God and keep God's commandments. Right? So you've got 12 chapters of angst and frustration and futility and overwhelm. And then one line of fear God and keep his commandments. What I think is happening there, what it feels like to me that is a feeling that I experience in my journey of faith is more like... Uh, me trying to get out of bed in the morning Uh, and Carolyn will be able to tell you about this she hates it (laughs) but the number of times she's normally up about four hours before me anyway Uh, the number of times in a morning uh, where I shout at myself (laughs) is quite unnerving right and you're sort of lying there and you sort of come around and it's groggy and the world doesn't make any sense and you're trying to like everything's overwhelming and it's too much to take in and you don't want to get up and do anything. But you know that that's what you do want to do, really. And so I literally have to verbalize out loud to myself. I'm like, come on, Ben. (laughs) Come on, Ben, get up. You can do this. It's not that hard. Come on, time to go. Get ready. Let's get on with the day. Um, Yeah, poor old Carolyn, who's been awake for four hours, doesn't doesn't enjoy this experience. But it's so common. Um, And it's that thing of like, you know where you want to get to. You know where your head wants to be, but you're just struggling to um, feel it right now. And so you have to kind of give yourself, it's not quite a pep talk, it's kind of like a little reminder, a little jolt to try and get yourself back where you already want to be. Do you know what I mean? Come on, Ben. And that's what this bit at the end of Ecclesiastes reads like to me it's not entirely clear whether this last line is written in the same voice as the whole rest of the chapter, but I don't think that really matters. Whether it's two people having a dialogue or just one person talking to themselves, I think it's still got that feel of, this world is really overwhelming and I don't understand and it's all quite a lot to make sense of, but I do sort of know that there is a God there who I want to be following and I sort of I've sort of already resolved that in my mind. And come on, Ben, <laughs> like, fear God and keep His command. We we know we know where we're supposed to be here. Yes, there is a lot of overwhelm and uh, things to lament. But come on, like, I know where I want my eyes to be facing. I'm just struggling to get them there right now. You know this feeling? Yeah. That's a relief. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, and so I think that is a more helpful way to make sense of what's happening in this book. And then the question really is, where do we go with the reality of that feeling? Um, and this is where I'm saying I'm not quite sure how this is going to end. Um, I think one thing I know that it shouldn't be is draw the rest of the owl. <laughs> When you're feeling any of those stages, right, I think there's three stages that are described in this feeling and in this phenomenon of Ecclesiastes. Uh, The first is that sea of overwhelm, that feeling of drowning in the pointlessness and the questions and the endlessly spiraling, like what even is anything? That's one place that you can be in the journey, is drowning in that sea. The second place is you've kind of seen land on the horizon Okay, and and you've spotted, you kind of know where you want to get to. Like me trying to wake up in the morning. You can kind of see the destination. I want to serve God. I believe that there's a God out there. I want to be more in line with the character of that God. And I can sort of see that land on the horizon, but I'm still mostly in the sea. But at least I've got a sense of where I want to try and get to. And then the third part, let's not forget this. Um... Keep God's commandments is not a straightforward instruction, right? So even if you make it out of the sea of overwhelm and into the, the sort of general vicinity of where you want to be, sort of in step with God, this idea of keep God's commandments, I mean, it's not like that's a settled matter, is it? Like It's not like the whole of Christian history is full of people just absolutely agreeing about what that means and what that looks like. Keeping God's commandments is something that needs continual attention every day, that we need to keep working out what that looks like. What does it actually mean to be in awe of God and to be in step with God's character? That needs continual assessment. And so all three of those stages that you can... And you can go around, and even if you feel like you've been walking around for ages, and yes, I am in step with God, and I am in awe of God, and I am keeping God's commandments, it doesn't prevent you from necessarily falling back into the sea of overwhelm. It can happen at any time. And so all three of those places that you can be, one thing I know that doesn't help with those, just from experience, is somebody telling you to draw the rest of the owl. <laughs> right? If you're feeling overwhelmed and struggling to make sense of anything somebody just standing on top of a mountain going just come up here just be here it's not helpful and even the same if you feel like you're in a place where actually you have managed to jolt yourself awake and you're out of bed and you're getting on with your day even if you feel like you are in that place of being in step with God and wanting to keep God's commandments somebody just going oh it's just easy it just means do this is not helpful because it stops us from being attentive uh, to what's going on around us and makes us um, blasé and, and inattentive to one another. Uh, and I think that's kind of where I want to finish. As somebody who feels this feeling and goes around those three different places quite often, what would I like from the church around me? What do I hope that the church is like in those things? Um, one... One of, my, one of the moments I regret most in my life, and I've done it twice, so that's good. <laughs> Clearly, I like learning. Uh, we, we were, um, the first was uh, some friends of mine, we were leaving work down on um, Park Row, if anybody knows it, and going for a drink in the White Bear at the top of St. Michael's Hill. Anybody know St. Michael's Hill in the middle of the town? It's basically vertical. And... <laughs> Uh, you know, I was quite young and excited to make these friends, and I wanted to impress them, and we were all on our bikes. So I went full pelt, racing up to the top of St. Michael's Hill, and I got there like good three minutes before all the rest of them, and all it meant that happened was I sat in the white bear while they were all having a nice civilized drink, just absolutely hating myself and gasping for breath, and my legs were burning, and I just I felt nauseous, and I just, I just couldn't speak for two hours because... I'd absolutely tried to sprint to the top of this hill. And then I did it again a couple of years later. We were at a conference in San Francisco. And uh, again, the hills in San Francisco, basically vertical. Same thing. And we wanted to get to the top of the hill. I was bored of walking up this hill. So me and my friend Gaz decided we'd have a foot race up to the top of it. And we absolutely sprinted up to the top of this hill, left everybody trailing in our wake, and then just uh, were there just, you know absolutely dying, gasping, burning, nauseous, all of it, terrible, dreadful. Uh, I hated both of those feelings. (laughs) Um, And it was because of my impatience to try and get to the top of the hill that stopped me from... I could have just had a nice civilized walk with my mate Gaz. I could have had a nice, enjoyable bike ride with my friends together in a little peloton up St. Michael's Hill. But I was so desperate to shortcut to the end that I ended up um, missing out on those things and doing myself harm, right? And I think that is a danger that can happen with God stuff uh, and with owl drawing. (laughs) And when we want to try and race to the fixed, finished answer, then we stop being attentive travelers together. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> no, because I just made it up. Uh, uh, when we try and race to the fixed, finished answer, uh, we risk harm because we stop being attentive travelers together. And I think the call of the church is to be travelers together, uh, paying attention to the last, the least, the ones who are struggling Um, the ones who are lagging a few steps behind us on the hill, not to try and be the ones who get right to the top first and then stand there shouting to all the people drowning in the sea of overwhelm, just come up here. Just draw the rest of the owl. Because that's never happened in Christian history, right? Nobody has raced to the finish line, got it all figured out, and spent their whole life just correctly obeying God's commandments because that's not how it's meant to work. It's supposed to be a journey together that continually we reorient ourselves to what we're heading towards. And we do that by paying attention to each other as well. Like literally just picture it. Picture a big gaggle of people trying to get up that hill in San Francisco and we're falling over and we're getting distracted and we're getting lost and somebody's falling back down the hill and somebody's injured themselves and somebody needs a little... You know, we are a shonky collective of people trying our best in a very overwhelming and complicated world and we're supposed to be doing it together and that means continually turning around and looking out for each other uh, and working out how to keep the group together rather than racing to the finish line. You with me? Uh, And now the irony is that I'm getting to the end of a talk, and now everyone's expecting like the nice little wrap-up point. <laughs> and that feels kind of directly at odds with all this stuff that I'm saying. And I think the only way I can think of to describe this, this is a little bit cumbersome, but it's whatever comes to my mind. Have you ever listened to a radio phone-in? They're quite old-school there's a terror, like, there's a horrible thing that sometimes happens on a radio phone-in where the host has got, like, 30 seconds to get through a call, and they get one of those callers who just keeps going up at the end, and, like, they're waiting for the moment to step in and, like, cut across their sentence and finish the call, but the person just keeps on finding, like, a new thing to say, and it's like, it keeps on opening out the conversation, and you think, well, surely they're going to stop in a minute and run out of content for this thing, but actually no, they just keep on finding new ways to keep it rolling, keep it rolling, keep it rolling, and then, the end they have to, like, just play the news jingle and, like, cut across them Um, and we want those sentences to go down, we want the person to be like hello, I'm here, this is the point I've got to make and that's the end over to the next person, right, we want our sentences to go down and to resolve and to have that neat closure and we want the talk to Ben finish. please don't keep going up at the end of your talk Ben, please, we need to get home for our lunch we want the sentences to go down and close and resolve, but actually I think uh, to keep being attentive to each other, to keep reorienting one another towards God, to keep working out what it means to keep God's commandments, to keep on fishing each other out of the sea of overwhelm, we need to be able to keep those conversations going up, to keep listening to each other anew, to keep finding out, basically, to be able to get from somewhere to somewhere else together, you need to know where you are. And in order to know where each other are, you have to listen to each other. And often listening to each other means you're going to hear somebody with lots of sentences that keep going up at the end and don't really resolve. But that's okay, because that's what we're here to do, is where are you now? Okay, where are you now? Do you need help coming further up this hill? And that's kind of where I want to end this talk, is I'm going to ask you to just take a minute to be really honest with yourself about where you are. That's what I love about the book of Ecclesiastes. It does not pull its punches in saying, this is where I am. Nothing makes any sense to me. I don't understand. And that's okay. It made it into the Bible. If that's where you are, that is absolutely fine and great. If where you are is you feel like you're standing at the top of the hill telling everybody else to hurry up, that can be a place that you're feeling as well. But you have to be honest about where you are in order to know what the next steps are. So rather than me having a nice sentence that ends on a down note, I'm gonna open it up to you to keep the conversations going up at the end, and you're gonna take a minute to think about where you really are, and then if you feel confident to do it or you want help with it, maybe you can find somebody else at the end of the service or next to each other now, and you can have one of those conversations where you go, I'm struggling a little bit, I'm actually lost back here, what about you, where are you? And then they find a way, but they can go up with their sentence as well, and it's a continual recirculation of the conversation as we encourage each other up the hill, not racing ahead, paying attention to the people that we need to listen to. Does that make sense? Um, I was really going to try and end on a sentence that went up, not down. Uh, That's the end of my bit. Over to you.